Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome to another week. Welcome back. Welcome back. I hope you all had a great week. Um, how was your week, Ikini? The week was really good. You know, things have been, you know, busy with the holidays coming up. There's shopping online mm, in stores. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's Christmas and the holidays approach and stuff. Just yes. trying to get ready and yes, all that yes, good yes. stuff. What about same. you? How's same, same. I was mm-hmm. very busy um, this past week. Mm-hmm. I went to a gala for my sorority. Oh, you looked amazing in the white oh. dress. <laughs> oh, thank you. And oh. then um, I did, a, like you, I did shopping for Tegan. So mm-hmm. pretty much done with her. And now I got to oh. mail out the Christmas Praise cards. So. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, look, I can't wait for my card. Yes. <laughs> Open so the list. <laughs> yes, of course it's on the list. Duh. Yeah, but um, yeah, so I got a mail out Christmas cards this week. Yeah. And so it's just a lot of little, you know, little small yeah. things. I'm looking forward to kind of resting because last week I got my booster on Thursday and girl, okay. it wiped me out for several okay. days. Okay, so, yeah. Whew, I'm not, but Jay got his and then Tia okay. gets her second one, her second shot when next week. So Aww, we'll all be, we'll all be good to go. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yeah, very nice. Yes. So last week we had an interview with A.H. Cunningham. I hope you all listened to it. We talked about her debut uh, novel, A Light, which is doing quite well for indie novel. So shout out to my friend A.H. Cunningham. Hope you all picked up that book. Nice. It'll be a nice little read for the holiday break and season. Um, we mm-hmm. also talked about some hot topics with Tammy Roman and her boo Reggie, her husband yeah. rather, Reggie, mm-hmm. um, wanting to have a baby at a later age. Uh, Tiffany and Common breaking up, even though he wished her a happy birthday, girl. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that's nice. He, he wished her a happy birthday. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was it was an amicable split. That's nice. And, that's and mature. Talk, yeah, very mature. Um, Dave Chappelle also still running into his controversy, Mercy. and Portia and her spinoff, which I think you'll talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. um, in our hot topics in romance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to romance, I told you how to check out the Tall, Dark, and Fictional podcast. Uh, with my friend Kat Wynn. I hope you all um take took a listen to that. She really appreciated the shout out. Um, so she was like, "Thank you for shouting us out. I appreciate it." So, but that's the homie right there. Like, that's mm-hmm. my, that's my, that's my, that's my romance. You got, you got friends. That's my romance dog right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, in watching romance, we had so many holiday movies to tell y'all about, which we recapped a few of them. I don't want to get into it, but again, you all have our holiday calendar, which is actually about to wind down. Yes, yeah. And so um, there'll be a lot of repeats going on in the next couple of weeks, but um, the last kind of which batch nice, of movies. So we can kind of catch yeah. up this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last batch of movies is playing this this couple of weeks, so mm-hmm. um, we'll talk about those as well. So, Yakini, what's up in the hot topics and romance this week? Well, there's a little bit of stuff going on. A couple of these stories are kind of continuing from previous reports. So, for example, uh, Stevie J and Faith Evans are back in the news, back Mm. in the hot topics. So, you know, when we last discussed them on the podcast, Stevie and Faith, you know, they were kind of going through something. Stevie, you know, very foolishly kind of like live Instagrammed this little verbal altercation they had where he was accusing Mm. Faith of cheating in his home at that and 
Faith was just kind of disgusted and didn't want to be bothered and kind of just got in the, in the, um, got under the covers, ignored him and was kind of basically like, you're a clown, get out of my face. (laughs) You know, he was very disrespectful in turn and he later came online and issued like, you know, a, a, a seemingly heartfelt public apology. And um, in the midst of all this, it was reported that he had filed for divorce. Oh, and then okay. in that same week, they were spotted. Well, they, they Faith posted on her page a picture, a video of them in Miami doing cartwheels together and seemingly very much in love. So it's just been a, we don't really know what's going on. With him. But, you know, according to the court documents, officially separated and in fact it came mm-hmm. out recently that stevie J was trying to kind of come up a little bit get him a little coin because the reports in the document showed that stevie asked the court to order faith um to pay him spousal support um and i'm being what? a little facetious you know about him trying to come up and get a coin i don't know either of their financial situations we know faith had a very lucrative career in the 90s in the early 2000s she was you know the it girl and i'm sure she also has her ex-husband's you know monies and things like that so faith yeah, is obviously like, very comfortable but at the same yeah. time we know stevie J produced a lot of those hit bad boy records in the 90s so mm-hmm. i'm sure he has his own little coins as well but we also seen him on reality shows struggling <laughs> to pay child support to his mm-hmm. children's mother so it sounds like mm-hmm. she might have kind of been in a better financial situation so needless to say you know in that case obviously the person who doesn't have as much is entitled to ask for you know that spousal support and so maybe it's a double kind of look side eye when a man asks but that came out so stevie j lost some cool points or whatever for that and um but 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 um faith countered back and and asked the court to um so she filed her own documents in response to his request asking the courts to terminate the ability to award stevie j any spousal support and she said that you know she would like to keep her her personal assets you know, that she obtained before the marriage, after the divorce. I always think that's fair. You know, if you acquire yeah, something together, yeah. that's fine. But don't be trying to take my coin, coins that I made before you. Like, I just think that's <laughs> right. Unless right. it's one of those marriages of like 20 years or whatever, then mm-hmm. I think it should be, you know, you take care of me and you help me out because you. I was accustomed to this lifestyle. So mm-hmm. I don't know about that, Stevie. Good, good mm-hmm. luck to both of them. So that, but you know, what's, you know what's funny, Akini? I just read an article about how more men are getting alimony now because because men a lot of men of like say our generation and maybe a little younger Mm. are are sort of failure to launch like the women are the ones who are making all the money and the men aren't aren't being as successful yeah or they're like just you know barely making it or whatever and the failure to launch theory is an interesting one because i think we do kind of nurture our kids our sons and you know want to know because I know in my family it's kind of like my mom's like the door's always open if you ever need to come home I don't care if you're 35 40 you know it's kind of that kind of thing yeah it can be wonderful to have that support but can it can mm-hmm. be enabling if you're not someone who's kind of self-motivated use right. that family support and crutch as needed but some people may kind of become dependent on it and then may not be able to have learned to become financially independent because you always mm-hmm. had that support so mm-hmm. we got I guess there's a fine line yeah, I agree. I've never been yeah. in that sentiment. You know, some parents are like, when they, as soon as you 18, you out of my house. No, I I always feel like I totally agree. My kids, as long as I need them to, but you also want them to kind of be able to be self sufficient. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah, know but it was a really interesting article. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All right then, Stevie. You ain't gonna get no damn money, but keep going. Yeah, good luck with that, Stevie. Because she came good in with that, that biggie and that bad boy money and stuff. Yeah, she so sure did. She better. sure did. Should have made mm-hmm. different decisions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. uh, so in other in other news. So earlier this week, you know, Nick can Nick Cannon was trending for something very messy. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you messy. know, he was all trending and everything. We don't even have to get into the details, but no. basically on his talk show, you know, he was just kind of doing his report and was showing the imprint almost to his knees his <laughs> of whatever he was showing. So that happens. Mm. <laughs> he was mm. trending for that. So needless to say, the next, you know, the next morning, you know, I woke up, he's trending again. I said, what is he getting himself into this time? But unfortunately, you know, really sad news, you know, I have yes. to report that. He did lose his youngest son, and he shared this son with Wild Out model Alyssa Scott. And apparently, the baby did have brain cancer, so the baby yeah, lost. That's so sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really, really sad. You know, one thing that you know we have to say about Nick Cannon, because I know people clown him and call him the new future and all that stuff. Um, but one thing I say about that Nick Cannon, he takes care of all his children. He loves. Sure does. Them. You know what I mean. And not not a single baby mama has came out and said a exactly. mumbling bad word about him. It's kind of like the Diddy camp. There's two types mm-hmm. of dudes. There's the Diddy camp who you ne- they have their kids, but you never hear a negative word uttered from their children's mothers. So they're doing mm-hmm. something right in terms of treating them well, making sure they are paid and all that stuff on time. So and then you hear of like Future, who's one. Or in what's the other one with the eye? You know, he won't even claim one Fetty child. Wild. Yeah. yeah, won't claim a, a Lexus child, and it's just. But yeah, no. So, so Nick loves his children. He 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 seems to be very devastated, and I'm sure we can all relate as a parent. So, mm-hmm. definitely wishing you know him and his family, you know, our condolences and all that stuff. That that yes. just couldn't be easy. So that that was no and stuff you know i I don't watch his talk show um Mm. and i probably won't start watching it but you know i've heard it's pretty popular so i'm sure that he probably struggled having to kind of go on the show and hold his head high and stuff but yeah 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 Yeah, talk show is doing pretty good actually and um, yeah yeah he he replaced the wendy slot in in Mm -hmm. the event when he doesn't come back so that would be yep yep good Yeah, but condolences to him and hope that, you know, his family is healed and, you know, get some get some much needed prayer and, you know, comfort and, and things like that. Because, you know, yeah. I know, I know if I'm using a child, I can't imagine. Right. I, but it's just, it's just, whew, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Can't, especially that young. Jeez. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And, and, condol- and just Alyssa, she must be so devastated. And stuff. She must be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Portia and Simon's little spinoff show is still going strong. So, you know, Portia was doing some press for the show and she did appear on the Tamron Hall show where, you know, Tamron brought brought up the statement um, that came up. And I think it was the premiere episode where, um, you know, Simon is used to or he's from a culture, a Nigerian culture where people have multiple wives. His own father had multiple wives. He's acknowledged that he's done some cheating in the past. So Tamron, you know, kind of asked Portia very directly how she feels about that. Um, she said, Simon revealed on the show that his grandfather had 25 wives. 
And mm. that prompted you to ask him if he's ever cheated. And he said, of course, everybody's cheated, which I don't think that's fair. I don't like when people very dismissive. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of people have cheated. I don't know that everyone has cheated. But anyway, that was his response. And, you know, Portia kind of took up for him on the show. Um, Tamara Hall was like, well, I've cheated too, and I regret it. But she said, let's start with he's Nigerian. It's his culture. They're allowed to have multiple wives. You know, Simon has been in America since he was 17 years old, and I'm American. So we're going to have one wife and one husband. So everyone kind of clapped and laughed. So that's fine. As long as, you know, Simon is agreeing with that. I hope that it's not one of those things where, you know, if it's kind of in your culture and it's what you're used to. But I know Simon's been here for a while. So Mm -hmm. we're confident in this. Um, And then Simon was on his social media later talking about how he's done like a lot of work on himself. He said he's been in a lot of therapy. He's really healed from some traumas. And he said he's done the work and he's kind of a different person. And Portia was kind of like, that's what I love about Simon. He's done the work. And I know I have kind of the best version of Simon. So, you know, he's the best version of himself, supposedly. But is he not the same man who left his wife for you, girl? What's but, okay, girl. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's okay, very girl. The timeline mm-hmm. of everything. Which yeah, I exactly. Like the show is kind of their way of doing kind of like their own damage control because right. they're, they're able to kind of, you know, control the narrative a little bit and really depict Fallon like it was like, you know, she got pregnant shortly after and it's kind of like the narrative is she was cheating with this young dude and he knew Simon, I'm sure, was no victim, but they really kind of have the advantage with this show. So, so Fallon just had a baby, but it's not by Simon, right? It's by her her young guy, who actually mm. Simon said he she'd been having an affair with him. She denied <gasps> it at the time, yeah. Mm. But the timing, she she kind of gave birth shortly after, so mm. there might have been truth to it. I'm sure that Simon was kind of doing his own thing. I'm probably biased, but I feel like if a woman is stepping out, it might be something where she just kind of got emotionally detached because of his actions. So I don't know what right. happened in that marriage, but you know, it yeah. might it might have been the case that she she stepped out. Mm-hmm. But um, she didn't say too much when she did her little tell all YouTube interview, and I suspect you know Ty- Simon is a man of means. He has ways of kind of silencing his exes. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that whatever agreement and support he's giving her, if at all, you know. It also brought her silence. So, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. mad at it. But anyway, right, God bless them all. So that's yes. it. my topic, girl. That's about it. <laughs> all right, you guys. We are going to take a quick break and come back with our interview with author Ophelia Martinez. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Um, we are about to have an interview with um a wonderful writer, Ophelia Martinez. A little bit about Ophelia. Ophelia writes romance with Latinas on top. She's originally from Texas, the Texas border, but she now resides in Missouri with her partner and their dog, Pixels. She loves good books, tequila, and chocolate. That's my kind of girl. Yeah. Um, and when she's not writing, you can find Ophelia making beautiful visual art. Um, but she, in addition to being an artist, she's also a wonderful, wonderful writer. And we're going to talk all about her books and her Heartland Medical Metro Hospital series, as well as her The Brown Nipple Challenge. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> um, and, but you all stay tuned and listen to our interview with Ophelia Martinez. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I am here with the wonderful Ophelia Martinez, and we are going to be talking all things romance, 
with uh, Latinas on Top, and she's going to tell us what these. So welcome, uh, Ophelia, to the uh, Romance and Color podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about um, all things romance books. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. So first off, I want to say um, it's a pleasure to, to meet with you. I haven't like been familiar with your work, but I definitely like delved into a few things. Um, and so I ask all writers who come on the podcast the same question. First question. So give us your origin story. How did you get started uh, with romance? How did you fall in love with like romance books and romance novels and writing? Um, well, well, I'm not surprised you're not familiar with my work. I'm I'm a baby author. I just started publishing yeah. since June this year. So it's okay, I'm, that's I'm okay, girl. <laughs> okay, girl. Um, but uh, that's not to say I haven't been writing for a long time. And my mm-hmm. origin story um, is a bit uh, complicated. Um, uh, I did uh, go to college to study literature, and the plan was originally to be a very serious kind of highbrow you know, <laughs> pompous author. And um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be a very, you know, a, a literary writer. Um, mm-hmm. But I was writing that stuff for, you know, a good decade. And um, I wasn't in love with it. Um, I wasn't in love with writing. I was in love with having written past tense. So, mm-hmm. um, so but I always loved uh, romance was my happy go-to genre. So I, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I need a palate cleanser instead of trying to write this very serious literary stuff. Why don't I write mm-hmm. something just for fun for me? Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, um, I was looking for um, Latinx characters in romance, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a ton. Um, there are quite a few now. Oh, yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and there are a lot of Dominican, Puerto Rican um all these amazing Latinx authors, but Chicana specifically Mexican-American, there were very few. Mm-hmm. And the Mexican-American characters I was finding were physically gifted and like they were either athletes or dancers or um, sometimes you would find that, you know, cholo thug kind of storyline, find oh, yeah. the girl from the other side of the tracks type of <laughs> yeah. romance. But yeah. I wasn't finding anybody who was intellectually gifted. Um, and mm. I really wanted to write that in Latinx mm. characters. So I, I wrote that and it was so fun. The story just poured out of me about a couple mm-hmm. that didn't know each other. They're both physicians, admire each other from afar and fall in love with each other's minds before they even know what the other person looks like. So that's what I wanted to write. Mm. And that story mm. poured out of me so quickly. I finished that book, that first draft in like a month, something that had wow. never happened before. Usually wow. it took me years to finish a book. And that's when I knew this is what I'm meant to be writing. Mm, it's this. Mm, so that's mm. that's my my origin in terms of romance <laughs> mm, and how mm. I came to it. But it started with Jane Eyre. You know, that's how I yeah. decided I wanted to study literature. And yeah. that is a romance. And at its heart, it's a romance. So I yeah, guess it, it was probably with that. Yeah, yeah. I have a some. I have a similar story too. I was a. I was an academic and, and a PhD student, and at the time, I thought I wanted to study more, you know, "quote unquote" highbrow, canonical type of stuff. Yeah, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't working for me. And then, in, in trying to write my dissertation, I just was going nowhere. But 
then I, I, I wrote a romance and everything just kind of poured out of me because I was happy, you know? So that, I understand like that when you're happy, that's when the well overflows of creativity. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely get where you're coming from with that. So let's wow, talk that's about- that's so oh, similar. That's, I know, that's so amazing. Similar, so similar. And that's not to say to put down like highbrow literature. I still read of it. Course, I love yeah. it. It's just not yeah. what makes me happy to write. I still, it right. still makes me happy to read it. So let's, right, I don't right, want right. to be like literature sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that to be the message. <laughs> Like we're not snobs over here, okay? We're not saying we're not saying, oh my god, you know, it's it's so boring. But you know, you know, we know what makes us happy, you know. Yeah. So let's talk about Ophelia, the person. Like, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And how did that kind of influence what you wanted to bring to the genre of romance? That's a really big question for me. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I'm originally from. Um, the El Paso, uh, Texas, Juarez, Mexico border, mm-hmm. which is kind of, it's, it's a very, uh, I hate to say alien place, but it's a very otherworldly place to grow up in. Um, mm-hmm. because I, I literally grew up in both countries at the same time where my mom was a live-in maid, um, in the States to this very mm-hmm. wealthy family during the week and I got to live in a lot of luxury during the week mm-hmm. and during the weekends and summers I would live in Mexico across the border mm-hmm. and um in you know our packed house with uh, gravel roads in a very poor <laughs> so I grew up in a wow. very strange upbringing mm-hmm. and um my mom eventually moved us to California and then we mm-hmm. somehow ended up in Kansas City so I I grew up kind of in all these different places mm-hmm. and that definitely informs my writing um obviously I mean um every I think the 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 through line in all my work has been strong women. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, that's an homage to my mother that I never intended, oh, yeah. but yeah. but she's there. Her presence is there because I'm writing mm-hmm. the type of women that I admire and, and it started mm-hmm. with her. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my upbringing shapes probably every female character. <laughs> mm, yeah in the in my book so it's yeah yeah, it was a strange way to grow up but um I looking back you know it it shaped me so I'm I'm so happy for it like you kind of had no no this is a terrible pun pun intended no pun intended but you kind of had both feet on both sides of the fence so to speak um like in a very big way (laughs) in a very big way yeah yeah and and I I see what you mean about a strong mom and, and having a mom who could you know sacrifice and, and come to the states during the week to, to to work and then on the weekends go back to Juarez is it, yeah. that takes an incredibly strong person you know to, to go yeah. through that that commute you know and the in the you know who lord knows the harassment whatever else having to deal with on the daily the microaggressions the aggressions you know having to deal with every day I just can't I just can't imagine you know imagine that you know going back and forth 
And there's oh, also so. the, the temptation to write about the struggle, right? Um, mm, and mm, I didn't want to because those stories mm. are important and I like reading them and it's important for someone to write them. But for me, mm. I wanted to write about the triumphs, not, mm -hmm. not just the struggle. And that particular part of the border was a part of the border that, you know, we, we heard about for a long time with the drug wars and the war on drugs during Bush administration. And um, all those, it was a highly violent, volatile border for a long time. Right. And right. so yeah. that also shaped me in that, um, and not that there isn't a place for like crime and mafia and, and that type of romance, but mm. I, I, I cannot write it because right, right. I want to a write about my people in triumph, mm. not in a war, in a, in a world of crime and mm -hmm. number two not it's not that it's triggering but when i read romance i want to escape and if i'm reading mafia or anything with those types of themes it's like that was my life for so long mm -hmm. like i don't want to mm -hmm. be in it it's it's not an escape at this point and it's not necessarily triggering but it's mm -hmm. it's not it's not fun <laughs> i hear you I, I i definitely hear you and i totally respect that and especially since like in the past few years I've seen where people have had an interest in writing more about that area in, in more literature. We've had the we had the controversy with American Dirt and all the other um, other stuff, mm -hmm. um, where people are trying to write the stories, but they don't really have the voice. You know what I mean? They don't have the authority or the voice to kind of tell mm -hmm. that story. And even though you do have the authority and voice to tell that story, I think it's a I think it's a powerful choice to say, "Hey, I'm not. I don't want to engage in that. I want to tell." a different perspective because I think everybody needs a different perspective like for me I, I, I totally get that because I don't write urban lit quote-unquote urban lit um but so you know the Chicana gangs and black gang violence and drug wars and all that kind of falls under urban lit too um mm -hmm. so you know I, I didn't want to write that either so mm -hmm. I, I definitely I definitely feel what you're what you're saying but but you can draw you can still draw positivity from that you can draw like ingenuity or creativity or whatever and put those in the characters that you have versus all the other like negative negative stuff um so yeah I, I totally get that so let's talk about the process of writing when you decided hey i'm gonna write my first big you know my first novel and you know i'm gonna see what happens so so what was the process like for you to write your first novel and what was it and you know what was kind of the impetus or the or the inspiration behind it? Well, the f the first romance novel was not the first novel I wrote, but it is the first mm -hmm. novel I published. Mm -hmm. um, and before that, I'd written many novels and short stories that I never published and never will in different genres, literary fiction. I, I dabbled mm -hmm. in fantasy as I tried to find what was going to, you know, really flow out of me that eventually mm -hmm. led me to romance. But the first novel I published... Yeah, that was the 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 two doctors um, that mm -hmm. that just I couldn't get out of my head, and they kept talking to each other, and mm -hmm. and I I wanted to tell that story so badly, um, and they were fully formed, so I just I didn't have a choice; I had to write mm -hmm. it. And then mm -hmm. from writing that, all the side characters came to life, and they mm -hmm. eventually get their own, you know, stories. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, no, I've always, 
I've always been an artist of some sort since I was a child. Mm -hmm. And I used to think I was going to grow up to be like a visual artist. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, um, I decided I was a more talented writer than I was or could ever be a, a visual artist. So I switched to writing. But I don't have a memory of not having to create. And I think that's... Um, a mental health thing for me so I have mm -hmm. to write so even if I weren't really publishing or putting my work out there I'd be writing um it's just something or, or making some form of art right. but yeah that book just kind of I, I I had those characters pop into my head and in a way mm -hmm. when I'm writing I'm very visual so mm -hmm. um, I am kind of painting those pictures making that movie in my head as I'm writing so I think a lot of my readers find that my book is very visual in that way. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> I talk but, in circles sometimes. I was getting. I was trust me. I was getting what you were putting down. So um, this start. So this was part of this Heartland Natural Hospital series. So so that's what kind of kicked it off, right? Yeah, uh, the first book is Remission. The couple in that is Hector and Carolina. You know, and it was really interesting the feedback I got for that for that book, um, because um, this fictional hospital that I built. All obviously, I'm writing Latinx characters as my primary characters. Not that there aren't other types of characters in my book as well, um, but the feedback I got, especially from uh, other Latinx readers was like, I can't believe how many Hispanic doctors there were at this hospital. And I'm like, it's so sad that you can't envision a world in which <laughs> wow, there could wow. be more than one Spanish speaking doctor at a hospital. Um, I mean, and, so... and, and where, where's the setting? I mean, the setting is important because if the setting is a place that is primarily Hispanic, Hispanic and Spanish speaking, and I would think you would have, you know, seeing Spanish speaking doctor. Well, in in Kansas City does have a, a vibrant uh, Hispanic uh, community, so right. they might just not be familiar with my city. But right. I think the what what kind of I find a little strange is that let let's pretend that instead of a hospital and instead of doctors, the 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 setting of this book had been. Uh, a farm of some sort and the main mm -hmm. characters instead of doctors were fruit pickers maybe they were strawberry pickers at a field and they were migrant workers they would mm -hmm. have zero absolutely zero mm. objections to a fully latinx cast mm -hmm. in that setting in their place right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we can't oh, envision yeah. that many latinx cast in a successful setting in a successful place so yeah that was the first story and it's always interesting to get that feedback because I'm like well what if it had been you know fruit pickers like do you feel the same now and and what does that say about your reading and your perceptions that show that shows that that, that particularly shows bias on the reader's part I would think you know that they can't open up their minds to see a world in which there are his, his successful Hispanic and Latinx you know doctors um that's that's wild to me so what as you draw from your 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 cultural roots what's important to you about kind of busting those myths you know what what is your what what do you hope to do in your writing as you kind of bust those myths um and biases about you know romance and and and, and quote-unquote intellectual professions among uh, latinx uh 
uh, characters. Yeah, so that's actually one of the big, uh, there are several reasons why I, I realized romance was really what I was meant to be doing. And one of them is that in my community, and I don't want to generalize, I'm speaking to my very immediate uh, Chicano community, uh, where mm -hmm. I live, my friends, my family, the women I know, um, mm -hmm. there is a very um, taboo way of talking about sex, sexuality, and sexual health in our communities to where young men and women aren't educated about anything, including consent, which I think can be dangerous. Oh, um, yeah. mm -hmm. And having any conversation about sex or sexuality is absolutely not allowed. Sex mm. is depicted to children as something dirty that should never be done mm -hmm. um, and should never be talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and and I feel like there there's a lot of danger to to that. Um, so uh, by by writing romance, specifically steamy romance with explicit sexual content, um, I'm hoping to kind of lift that kind of taboo about having mm. those conversations mm -hmm. um and and i do write about that as well about being able to talk about sex in an open mm. way that isn't shameful mm -hmm. um and, and so I, I think culturally that's what what drew me to writing romance was opening up that door mm -hmm. um and then having women that reflect the women in my community openly having sex and not being ashamed about it, not being ashamed mm. about their bodies and just being mm. really sex positive, which mm -hmm. sexual positivity is not big in my community, traditionally speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are all the kind of um, myths I want to, to lift or demystify a little bit for mm -hmm. young women, especially young readers that might be mm -hmm. picking these books up in the next generation. Yeah, I I totally feel you because um, I know I I can I can relate because growing up in a you know African American community, I know as with uh, Latinx communities, there's a strong religious kind of vein um, going on there, and and it's such I don't want to say dog it, it is dogmatic at times <laughs> um, to where you know it it, it can be oppressive to, to women and young girls, and I think a lot of that has kind of made us shy away from the discussing the sex and, and putting the sex and our needs and our wants out there explicitly um mm -hmm. do you feel like do you feel like you ever have any pushback have you ever gotten any pushback about like the sex and things like that from from your community particularly if they're like if they're religious like oh no like i don't want to read this blah 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 <laughs> why, can't, why can't you write something that's cleaner you know <laughs> Um, I haven't, and and I don't have a big readership, so I, I probably expect that down the pipeline. But honestly, people who pick up my books tend to be already romance readers, so I'm not mm -hmm. writing anything that's going to shock those readers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I will say, uh, my grandmother was one of those very um, prudish people when I was growing up that would cover my eyes if like a kiss came on television or something and <laughs> now she's in her 70s and she was trying to find a hobby that that you know she could do without having to be too physical and I started buying her books and she fell in love with romance and she mm. started dipping her toe into slightly steamier romance oh, and 
um so i started sending her more and more and like she is obsessed now she is a book a romance book addict now and it's hard oh, to find yes. her books in spanish and i've oh, sent yeah. her um i translated my first book um and i sent it to her as a first reader like mm. um read this because that one is a slow burn so even though there is sex it's not till the end and i figured she could handle it but she'll right. read steamy so long as there's a plot it's when like she doesn't like erotic moments <laughs> where there's right. sex but right. i expected if i was gonna get any pushback it was gonna be her and she loved it and she was totally fine and this was the most you know prudish woman that i've ever met so uh for <laughs> well, her listen, to be if like you win, if you can win over grandma now, yeah that is you know you know that is that is that's when you know you're winning <laughs> <laughs> my abuelita yeah shout out yeah. to my abuela which um <laughs> Ophelia is actually her name, and I used her name as the pen name. I I, I messaged Aww. her. I was like, and you can't talk to a Latinx author and not expect a little bit of a conversation about the abuela. Um, but <laughs> yeah. um, I I messaged her. I'm like, Grandma, can I write filthy smut under your name? And she was like, Yes, Mija, go ahead, right? <laughs> <laughs> My grandmother would have a heart attack. <laughs> she, she, you know, I think ten years back she would have, but because she's uh, been reading smut for the past five or so years now um she's she's like super proud of it now and Ophelia is kind of like a sexy name like my grandmother does girl my grandma does not have a sexy name her name is Verna it is not Vernon <laughs> Verna 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 yeah, okay that's cool sexy. though I do like it's um I do like old timey names, you know, like Violets and Sage. I've never heard Verna, but I like Yeah, it. Verna. <laughs> Verna. And then I have another my other grandmother that passed away. Her name is Annie. I'm like, no, girl. <laughs> I think no. uh, Verna would be good for like a cozy mystery writer, though. Maybe not romance. It does sound like a, yes, another it does genre. Sound like a cozy mystery writer. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that's not my thing, but Verna definitely sounds like a a cozy mystery writer. You give me yeah. an idea. So <laughs> if I ever go that lane, I will I will use Verna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you got started writing, were you and writing could be very, very solitary. Um did you seek out community or like get yourself kind of involved in like a, a community of writers or other Latinx romance writers or you know, some people kind of throw themselves on Twitter like, okay, let me see what I can find or research on the internet let me see what community i can find um what kind of support besides you know working alone and, and doing things alone did you get while you were writing uh your first couple of, um, of novels so not at the start i i am very um to a fault hyper independent and i am too afraid of asking i feel like i'm bothering people um, so at the start, I didn't. I just kind of wrote in my bubble. I published my first two books and I was kind of in a bubble. Um, and I had a list of people I, I really wanted to connect with and wanted to reach out to, you included, um, mm. and, and maybe one day ask to like, hey, do you want to chat? Do you want to have a conversation? Do you just mm -hmm. build that community? But I was so afraid mm. to ask. So mm. I didn't for a long time. And um, for a few select um uh, people I did reach out um, just to, you know, test the waters. Most of you, like yourself, said yes. And mm. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe people want to talk to me. <laughs> um, and um, 
And, and and then the uh, really big name authors that I really admire, Latinx romance authors that um, that are my heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had them on a list that one day I'll be, you know, I'll consider myself worthy to reach out to them um, uh, because these Latinx authors are just, you know, the people mm-hmm. I've looked up to mm-hmm. for so long. And mm-hmm. um, they actually reached out to me before I before I had the guts to reach out to them. Mm, mm, <laughs> so th- I feel like the community like found me flailing over there in the water. <laughs> like, what is she doing by herself over there? She should be in, in this community. Yeah, so they, like, come, they did come eventually reel me yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which I'm very grateful for. Um, uh-huh. and, and then I do have a small um, online um in the author community where we talk things like marketing and strategy and that's just a small group where we kind of mm-hmm. support each other and ask questions but the the one thing about romance landia and romance authors is i've never you know what it makes me think of you know i don't know if, if you i'm not much of a party girl or anything like that but when mm-hmm. i do go out and I, I I go to a women's bathroom late at night when everybody's already tipsy and how supportive the women are. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I feel like romance authors are the women's bathroom at a at a party. Like it's, <laughs> it's oh, and, and don't forget the tipsy part because most of us are drinking. <laughs> yeah, it's that supportive hype woman. I'm gonna hype you up. I'm not here yes. to compete with you. Your success yes. is our success type of attitude. Uh-huh. Like that, I've only really seen that. In, in the romance author community in terms of mm-hmm. author as far as author communities go anyway I think, I think just because the romance author community is inherently feminist and we want women to succeed mm-hmm. and we don't want anybody to fail like we want everybody to win everybody to get a piece of the pie this billion billion trillion dollar pie that romance has um out there for us because everybody knows that everybody's story whether they be the same tropes are different you know what I mean yeah um so like yeah like and you'll be surprised like I I understand what you mean by like being scared to reach out because even though I'm an Aries and I'm supposed to be quote-unquote outgoing I'm, I'm really not most of the time <laughs> and so sometimes I'm really shy and I'm like oh I don't know if I should reach out to this person and blah 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 but I've learned particularly on Twitter and stuff like that that even if you like just reach out to people a little bit you know you never know like I've been in a clubhouse with, you know, Priscilla Olivares and, and, and all these other people and Mia Sosa and, and some, some oh people. God, I know you I know you know. Um, yeah. so you know what I'm saying? They're goddesses. Like, you know, Ale- yeah. Alexis Daria. <laughs> oh um, my god. You yeah. know, so I've been in clubhouses with them and talked and kikied about some things and you know, I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah, you know, and then I have a friend and say, Oh yeah, you know, Tatiana, you know, she does romance and color, blah, blah blah. She's right, she's a writer too, but she does romance and color as a podcast. You know, they have an Instagram, they do book reviews, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people, you never know people know you. You know what I'm saying? People will, you never know people know. People are watching. So don't think yeah. that you're by yourself. Like, like yeah. you said, and I feel like that's how water. being in social media, that's how they're like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I'm very introverted. I'm a cancer, so I'm meant to be introverted, but I think mm-hmm. I'm a little introverted and I am very camera shy and so mm-hmm. this year I really pushed myself out of my comfort zone and I actually joined TikTok mm. and that was the most painful experience of my life but you know I'm like hundreds <laughs> of videos in now it's mm-hmm. second nature it's no different than tweeting a sentence anymore to me so yeah. you yeah. know once the 
pull off that band-aid it gets a little bit easier to talk to people and reach out to people mm-hmm. yeah so Ophelia is, is, is also a writer Ophelia is also an academic um how do you balance sort of like what you do professionally with your writing life like how, what is what is a typical day and schedule like for you as a writer um I do have a a full-time job that is not writing so um I feel like I should be the last person to give this advice because it's very <laughs> unhealthy I don't encourage anybody to do what I do my mental health is hanging on by a very very thin thread <laughs> that the um, it's oh, it's bad. So um, I do have office hour job nine, nine to five, um, mm-hmm. and then I spend my evenings writing and doing marketing. And I mm-hmm. don't sleep, and I don't have children, and I don't uh, pick up around my house, and I let go mm-hmm. of my physical health. I don't go to the gym. I <laughs> I don't do anything but write on my time oh my that I'm at work. So mm-hmm. it's very unhealthy. Um, I can't keep this pace up forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, you cannot. I probably no. won't. Um, I mm. have a hard time finding balance, but I am seeking it. And I think once I do find it, it'll get easier. Um, mm-hmm. So instead of giving you advice of, of what I do or what my day looks like, just find your balance and don't do mm-hmm. do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> As a, as a, okay, so I know you, you're talking about the marketing that you're doing and things like that. What made you want to go like the indie route versus the traditional publishing? Control. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very specific about my covers. I am very specific about the look and feel of my brand. I am very specific about, um, the Spanish because my books have Spanglish in it mm-hmm. and most of the Spanish reading world uh, likes to read um, Castilian you know proper Spain Spanish it's not mm-hmm. the Spanish that I speak or that I hear in my community so mm-hmm. I really wanted any Spanglish in my books to be Mexican Spanglish Mexican mm-hmm. slang mm-hmm. Um, which I knew a traditional publisher wasn't going to um, allow um, mm-hmm. And I I do my best not to get political in my books, but because I'm writing about the women in my community, it's really hard for certain political topics to not make it onto the page. Right. And I knew that a traditional publisher was going to make me rip that very important piece of the plot out. I just knew mm-hmm. that without even trying or talking to anybody, just from what I know about the publishing industry and from what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my next book that comes out in January, the main uh, character is a childhood arrival undocumented migrant I could not have mm. written her in a traditional publishing house they would not have allowed mm. that they would have said mm-hmm. it was too political and I'm like she was a child right is, right right how is this political like and and it's right. not even the main point of the book it's just her yeah her backstory and one of the external struggles she has to deal with, like in all romance, you have to have internal and external struggles. And I knew a traditional publisher is not going to let me write Lola the way I want to write her. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even try to be honest with you. I never queried. I never, I knew that I was going to do things that would piss them off. (laughs) I didn't want to fight with them. I just like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. 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 So the control and the control of the narrative is is much more important to you than than the, the in, on the indie side of it. 
Yeah, indie is paving the way in a lot of things that traditional publishers eventually catch up and romance is one of the first genres to catch up. But I feel like the wait to see if somebody indie can do it successfully before they believe it can be done. And then they follow, but then their publishing is, you know, a few years behind. So they can't really catch up as quickly as an indie author can. Mm -hmm. Um, So not not to say that my stuff will be successful. They might be right and it might get killed because of those things. But Mm -hmm. um, we won't know until somebody does it. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You're right. Because India has paved the way for a lot of a a lot of things that are now that's kind of hot in traditional publishing. Yeah. Uh, right now so what so as an indie publisher we talked about marketing uh, we talked about seeking an audience and you say you're a baby writer you just kind of started publishing things um, in June um, of last year um, how do you how do you reach out to your audience primarily and you know how do you even though you're writing Latinx Chicana romance lit how are you marketing to like a broader audience or you just don't, don't care about that? Like, hey, this is a story. Either you like it or you don't. <laughs> uh, you know, the the biggest community that I built was through TikTok calling for advanced readers. And I got them mm-hmm. onto my little street team and we have a, um, a I connect with them through uh, monthly newsletters and mm-hmm. through uh, Facebook groups. And a lot of them have become friends to where I actually message them. Like mm-hmm. um, somebody has been sick. I check up on them like they're, they're friends. And my, my mm-hmm. readership is very small, but I was very lucky to have very enthusiastic readers a lot of them latina women that have emailed me saying i can't believe i saw this particular thing like that is so true to me or my family or this word like like when it reaches the the women that i'm writing for it's so incredibly special um would i love a huge audience absolutely and if other readers want to uh, experience uh, latinx stories through romance that would be amazing mm. but um but i really want to connect with the women that this will mean the most to because it's mm. women that that are not represented usually or not until recently. My first book I dedicated to all the women I couldn't find on the romance shelves. Um, So (laughs) uh, so I'm writing for those women um, primarily. And then anybody else is welcome to the party that can come with an open mind. Like, okay, okay, I hear you. I hear you. That's 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 an awesome, awesome philosophy, I think. You know, it's like, it's like when when I tell people about coming out, like coming out to people, you're not coming out to people, you're inviting them in. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're inviting them into the world. That. You know what I'm saying? You're I'm not, not coming, coming out, out I'm inviting you inviting in. Inviting you in. Yeah. So, you know, it's not it's not about you coming out to people. It's about you allowing them into your space. That's so beautiful. I've never so, heard that. I didn't don't don't it's not me, it's not original, okay? <laughs> okay, I was like that's that's it's not so original. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not original. I, I forgot who I got that from, but um well, know, I, I think it's about, catching on and a lot of people use yeah, it. That is yeah, beautiful. but but it's the same way with same philosophy with romance, I think. You write it and you're inviting people into your world. You know what I'm saying? You're not, mm-hmm. you know, coming out and saying, Hey, look at you are kind of coming out like, hey, look at me. But at the same time, it's like, okay, this is the world I've created. 
why don't you come in and see what I've I've created, you know, for you? So I definitely I definitely see the parallel for the for those kind of two philosophies um of, of kind of reaching out to, to folks. So how did you get involved, um, kind of shifting gears, how did you get involved with like the Nana Malone and the Brown Nipple Challenge? <laughs> um I who told me about it? It was another author who told me about the Brown Nipple Challenge. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like a super brilliant idea. And mm-hmm. um I want to see it out there more. Mm-hmm. Um so so yeah, I I participated in it um uh, with other authors and um specifically with uh oh i'm trying to not say real names and say only pen names which is hard uh, jess matthews uh mm-hmm. she's a beautiful black author who writes interracial romance and mm-hmm. we did a few you know co-features with the brown nipple challenge but mm-hmm. um i don't know if your listeners are super familiar with with the brown nipple challenge but it's basically uh opening an invitation to authors um, who write underrepresented communities in romance. Mm-hmm. So the conversations to come out of that challenge, I think, are so beautiful and important. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, seeing the bodies in the books that that we know and our own bodies reflected on those pages is so rare. So, yeah. I mean, it's getting better, especially with indie. You know, those doors mm-hmm. are busting open. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. hopefully we yeah. will be able to say this for much longer. Yeah. Yeah, and for the folks listening, it's called the Brown Nipple Challenge. It's called by Nana Malone, who's a, a a writer, a very awesome, awesome romance writer. Because in most traditional romances, when they were talking about nipples or talking about nipples, they were always pink and rosy. And uh, when you are brown, your nipples are not <laughs> pink and rosy. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's why she she kind of it tongue in cheek called it the uh, brown nipple challenge and and, and, and kind of opening up that discourse about uh the representation of black and brown bodies in, in, in a romance but um it's awesome that you got involved with that and doing doing an amazing job representing for uh she kind of lit uh on, really on want more people thing. to use that hashtag we need to yes. blow up it's so yes, good we really do really do really do so you talked a little bit about your newest book coming out um i, I kind of got a tease for it. it is this the one about the rock star romance and 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 um the grumpy alphas and things <laughs> that, like that <laughs> that one just came out in november um mm-hmm. it's so i have uh, a second series that i've started that's called the industrial november on tour series it's a rock star romance and where my medical romance is really slow burn and all about the sexual tension. Um, the Rockstar series is all about the emotional and sexual growth of the main couple. So it's um, very, very, very high steam. <laughs> um, and yes, you're right. That first book, Hiding in the Smoke, um, features a very possessive alpha hero. He starts mm-hmm. out very unlikable because I wanted to have a very strong um, character growth arc and really want him to grow as a man. So he's very alpha possessive and has to learn to adjust his expectations in order to keep his woman. So, um, yeah, that that's the first rock star book in that series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you go from 
slow burn to hot and speedy? Like, <laughs> is the transition easy for you to like write or or what's the method to kind of get into the mindset of, okay, this is going to be hotter than hotter steam level and spice level than what I wrote before? Yeah, so it was very easy for me for a couple of reasons. Number one, mm-hmm. um, I, as a reader, can't read just straight up erotic romance straight through. I can read an erotic romance and enjoy it, but I can't read 10 more following it up without breaking it up with something else. Right, right. And right. when I read too many too high steam romances in an order, it starts to become very anatomical and not mm-hmm. so much about the romance anymore. Mm-hmm. So I need a slow burn. I need something that has more yearning and that sexual tension can be also very sexually gratifying, even if there's no on the page sex, which I really mm-hmm. love about a slow burn romance. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's very easy because as a reader, it's how I prefer to read. I prefer to read both levels. And as a writer, I prefer to write for the same reason. I want to make sure it's not just becoming like a list of anatomical actions and body parts mm-hmm. moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right, right. And uh, uh, I, I do think that um, I'll always write that way. And I do think it's a very bad idea. A lot of authors have warned me against this as a marketing tactic. My readers who like a slow burn are not going to enjoy <laughs> Mm-hmm. higher steam and my higher steam readers are, are gonna wish there was more sex in my lower steam stuff but I write uh somewhat as far as a, a romance writer I write somewhat prolifically um and I I knew going in like there are some writers and nothing wrong with it but there are some writers like they might write only like a specific like down to trope like they might only write shifter best friend romance like and that's it and I'm like I mm-hmm. if I boxed myself in like that I would go insane because every right. character and every couple has its own set of things they must overcome I can't write the mm-hmm. same trope every time mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I was like I I don't want to start training my readers to expect a certain level of steam from me if I'm not always going to give them the same level of steam so I'm like I'll just start off two series and let them know hey here's what you're going to expect <laughs> <laughs> gonna be all over the place and you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it but if you stick around and love it I will always bring both the really really steamy and the and the kind of slow burn what's the hardest stuff to write for you is it the steam in the in this in the sexual scene or the like gritty emotional uh dialogue and, and and things between the characters um, it's actually description and prose, especially description. Mm. Um, I love writing dialogue, which I know a lot of authors hate. And I have to remind myself that I'm not screenwriting and that I need to put some description and some action in right, between right. the dialogue, uh, where most authors, I think, have to find ways to put more dialogue and more blank space into the page. I mm-hmm. kind of differ that way. Um, but I, I don't love over descriptions and I'm a firm believer that if you have descriptions of something, whether it be place or clothes or whatever, that they must serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know that you tossed your keys on the side table and they fell behind the table mm-hmm. unless later on when there's an emergency and you can't find them, the reader is remembering they're behind the table. Right, like, right, you know, like right, that. Right that description is not important unless it's going to serve a purpose. So um, that's what I find hard to write. And if I do write it, it really has to, to serve some type of purpose to the plot. 
Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So what do you think has been like, what do you think has, has been like, the? are you more of a plotter or a pantser, first of all? And what do you think has been the most successful way for you to kind of like organize or 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 like tackle each scene, each plot, each development of the novel? I um I'm a cross between a plotter and a pantser, and um I don't know if you've a ever planter. read. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've heard Plenser, but um I don't know if you've ever read author Sierra Simone. She wrote a Priest. Um, yes, she yes. came up with um, panty liner, <laughs> and I love it. So I identify as the panty liner. So what I do is I I do like one sentence per chapter is like my very skeleton loose plot, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I would say seventy percent of the time I don't stick to that plot. Seventy percent of the time it changes, but the main beats are kind of there, guiding mm-hmm. me. Um, but I do plot in a very big way in that I have like probably up to 30 books very loosely plotted because I interconnect mm-hmm. everything very, very uh, tightly. So I have hinted in book one and book two about book 28 that I'm not going to be writing for probably <laughs> another 10 years. Right, so I right. have very loose plots that are very likely to change for a lot of mm-hmm. books, but mm-hmm. it, it's just kind of the characters take me where they want to go now what I do at the start that I find very helpful is I create character sketches that are extremely in-depth so that I know Mm -hmm. their backstories before I start writing and that helps Mm -hmm. more than a like a super detailed plot um so I have down to like their astrology signs and Mm. what makes them tick and what their backstory is and what their internal character wounds are going to be like that character sketch is more helpful to me because then I can draw from it for specific scenes and and the emotional growth of the character Mm, mm, okay okay so you also because I know these things are like kind of you had the books kind of in series do you kind of think to yourself okay this is going to be a series I'm going to plot this series out like loosely plot the series out and then kind of fill in the spot or do you just kind of like, oh, okay, this can be the, when you wrap it up, the first book up, like, oh, okay, well, I think the next book will be about this. Or you kind of have like a series planned out yeah. before you get started. I have a series. So with the Rockstars, it's easy because I have four main band, band, main band members. So it's very easy to say there's going to be four books and there will for sure right. be four books. But there are mm-hmm. two additional characters that are side characters that have kind of gotten their personalities and I'm I'm kind of thinking if the readers really enjoy this series, I have room to write at least two more. So it could potentially be up to a six mm-hmm. book series, but okay. it's up to the readers. Um, mm-hmm. if, if they're kind of like, you know what, we're happy with the main cast, the main band members, then I'll leave it at a four series. But yeah, okay. I, I have a good idea of who all the main couples are going to be in, in those 30 somewhat books that I've plotted and how they re- relate to each other. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay, Ophelia, we've come to down to the fun part of the interview. It's all been fun, girl. I was gonna say we. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> it's all been fun. Well, this but... is the last time I come on. The... No, I'm just <laughs> well, dang, I should have said it like that. But um, right. <laughs> I'm going to the part where I ask you like the kind of like fat rapid fire questions. 
um, sort of like in the actor studio, behind the actor studio with James Lipton. So mm-hmm. just give me the first answer that comes off the top of your head. So um, your favorite book as a kid. Oh God. Is that Jane Eyre? I did, no, that was not as a kid though. I, I read that as an adult. Um, it was probably a Goosebumps book of some sort. <laughs> okay, that's classic. Not oh, that's have good fine. taste as a child. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's definitely a classic. I can, think, I can definitely see that. Do you like writing heroes or villains? Oh, villains. Mm, mm, okay, villains have more depth. They have more backstory in depth. Um. We already talked about love scenes or dramatic arguments, um, but what about um, your favorite place to write? Mm, I can write anywhere. I, I'm usually I have I'm very lucky that I have a dedicated office space, mm-hmm. so that's probably where I do ninety percent of my of my writing. But I can write anywhere. I can write on a plane, coffee shop, you know. I don't Ooh. really have a preference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you, I know you say you're just a baby writer and you've just come out, but I don't believe I don't believe in such things. Baby writers, you're you're a writer. Period. Um, <laughs> do you read book reviews or or don't read book reviews? Like my own or or when I'm your own, your own, book. your own, your own book reviews. Um, I I I do. I'm trying not to. <laughs> um, <laughs> With every new release, I'll read the first few batches for sure, because I know that's my ARC team, and I know mm-hmm. they're going to be kind even when they have to be constructive. Um, mm-hmm. But I do try to stop after that. I'm not always successful. I don't think any <laughs> author should read their own reviews, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I do because I can't help it. It's compulsive, and I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. So I know you say you have this Rockstar series. Um, rock band series so do you write to music and if so what kind of music do you write to and I'm curious does the rock does the rock series have a playlist um every book I've ever written has a mood playlist um Mm. they're all on Spotify and you can find them through my website um but Mm -hmm. yeah the the rock star books uh have probably more in depth and more rock and roll in the playlists um Mm -hmm. I don't put a ton of rock in the mood playlist themselves because Mm -hmm. um I know not everybody listens to rock but Mm -hmm. um I do have certain characters that are very geeky about metal and rock and punk and they have mm-hmm. character playlists that the characters listen to so mm-hmm. i'm going to be posting those playlists as well um but in terms of what i write to um i write i write in the quiet i need quiet to write I'll, i mm-hmm. i can edit with music and mm-hmm. if i'm editing with music it's probably going to be um patty smith um spanish rock bands manam um what else i I don't know a lot of rock a pretty reckless Mm -hmm. um, stone temple pilots okay uh, okay not a product (laughs) uh it's kind of eclectic (laughs) okay okay that's good that's good i like it i like i like your vibe i like all the things that you got going on on the on the playlist there um let's see uh do you watch a lot of movies and if so has there been a really good book to movie translation that you've seen? I know a lot of authors are like, oh, I don't know, they, they didn't really get it right. 
when the movie <laughs> came out. But um, have you do you have any good ones that you think are were pretty good? I I don't watch a, a ton of uh, television, but mm. um, for the most part, I agree that about ninety percent of the time, the book is better than the movie. <laughs> I do think yeah. there are some exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Shawshank Redemption comes to mind. I think the movie yeah. was way better than the story. Yeah. Um, I think there were missed opportunities in the story that the movie saw those plot holes and were like, no, we're going to fix those. Mm. Um, uh, so that one comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. But that's an old one. Um, something recent. You know, I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to go watch The Last Duel. And that's based on a, on a book. The okay. Adam Driver movie. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not a big movie watcher. Okay. Okay. You're still you're in your thing. You're in your in your your lit bag, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the last romance novel that you read? The last one that I I'm trying to remember. I've been reading so much lately. Which was the last one? Um, let me grab my phone and I can tell you exactly what it is. <laughs> I'm already on to the next one. You see, mm. oh, it was um, it was actually no, it wasn't. I was thinking it was the American Queen series by Sierra Simone, which mm-hmm. was phenomenal. But I don't think that mm-hmm. was it. Um, oh, it was Trackers End by Chantel Fernando, and it's mm. uh, motorcycle MC. I'm trying okay. to find I'm trying to find dark romance that isn't mafia related and it's really hard. So friends like mm-hmm. you should read some MC that might be <laughs> right, right. Your speed. Right, 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 right. Some like motorcycle club, some some like mind yeah. type stuff. <laughs> it was pretty good and her she she writes pretty decently, so it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Everybody everybody's into like this this mafia wave. Which I think is funny, and I, I know this is a side, this is a side mm-hmm. conversation, but it's so funny to me because people are like, "Oh, mafia romance, mafia romance," but then they'll snub their nose at like gangs and like <laughs> and like <laughs> other stuff, and I'm like, "Girl, it's the same thing." It's like what, like what? Do you, I mean, it's the same thing, but but you know, what do I know? But anyway, yeah, I mean, I wish I liked mafia because I do like a dark story, but. Um, it's just uh, I my own personal you know lived experience yeah. doesn't let me enjoy it. Like I think people yeah. that can escape to crime haven't experienced it in their life. Yes, I know. Right, right, right. Exactly. exactly. I can't escape to it. You know. Right, right. Oh my God, that is so true. <laughs> um, what is your favorite word that you use in your writing? Like something that comes up all the time. Favorite word? Oh, in English. Um, it, it, it can be English or Spanish. Oh, I don't know that I have a favorite word, and and that I, that. Well, I have those words like pesky words that come up all the time that mm-hmm. I need to like cut back. And like, I think the one that I love reading and writing that I need to always like remove ninety percent of them is when the guy smirks. Oh yeah, because yeah, it's so sexy to see a guy smirking. But I'm like, okay, he can't smirk a hundred times in one book, so I gotta cut right, right, it right, back. But that's right. not like a favorite word. I have a ton of favorite words in Spanish because the Spanish in Mexico got mixed with the indigenous language, um, mm-hmm. the uh, what we know as the Aztecs, and the language is Nahuatl. So we have a lot of 
indigenous words that aren't prominent in other Spanish-speaking countries, but they're so mm -hmm. fun to say, like, um, papalote is kite. Mm -hmm. It's just so fun for me to say those kind of, the, those Nahuatl words. Um, mm. Fun. Mm, nice, nice. Um, if your book became a movie, even though you say you don't like movies, um, <laughs> I do like want? movies. I just don't watch a ton. <laughs> okay, okay. Correction. You don't watch a ton. Let, let me not do that. Let me not shade you like that. Um, who would you want to play the lead in the story? Um, who would I like to lead? I've done fan casting, but it hasn't been with actors. So for my second book, uh, Valentina, her physicality is very loosely based on real life UFC fighter Alexa Grasso. I just think mm. she's gorgeous. And if she were an mm. actress, I'd love to cast her. Mm -hmm. um, for Hector in my first book, it would be Jaime Camille. I don't know if you if you know who that oh, is. Oh, girl, girl, stop, stop, stop. Listen, <laughs> let me tell you something. The only reason I watched that stupid show was to look at Jaime Camille. <laughs> So I don't know if you've, did you see him oh, in his um, uh, magazine cover reshoot? No. Okay. So he did, when he was young, younger, he did a fully nude uh, cover for a Spanish magazine. And yeah, he, redid it. It. he redid it <laughs> recently. And he now he has all his gray and his hair and his face isn't oh like that God, baby boy so... face anymore. So oh. it's a black and white, fully nude of Jaime mm -hmm. Camille when he's young. Yeah. And then the, the remake recently. Look at both of them. The one recently. And I'll be honest, I ba I mm -hmm. based Hector 100% on, on Jaime Camille. Like his physicality mm -hmm. when I'm describing mm -hmm. him, I'm describing mm -hmm. Jaime Camille. He is so girl. He is so fine. Like right? I, I would just watch that show and just be drooling. Like everybody's like, oh Raphael, Raphael, no, 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 no. The daddy. The daddy. <laughs> the so daddy. so oh, that God, that book so remission is an age mm -hmm. gap. He's much mm -hmm. older and he's mm -hmm. definitely based on like today mm -hmm. Jaime, older Jaime Camille. Girl. Did you find yeah. the picture? We'll talk about that offline. I'll, I'll okay. look, I'll look, ooh, I will find it, girl. I'm going to and this turns it. into a high make a thing session. Yes, yes. High make a session. Yes. Um, so, if someone was new to romance, what authors, old and new, would you want them to like read first? Do you have like some folks that you like? Oh, if you if you're new to romance, you should read this person or that person. Uh, I would probably go for one of the slow burn authors um, mm -hmm. because people who are not used to reading graphic sex need to, I think, dip their toe in first, mm -hmm. um, especially if they're coming from a kind of my community where they're very like not allowed to talk about it. Um, uh, and I would say start off with Mariana Zapata. Um, mm -hmm. She wrote mm -hmm. All of Winnipeg and Me, Colty, and all. She's like the queen of the slow burn. Every single one of her books is like a complete slow burn. And her book, Wait for It, was the first time I saw an openly Mexican American main character. Because up mm -hmm. until then, she had been writing Hispanic characters, but it was like mentioned that they were Latinx. But they, there mm -hmm. was nothing else Latinx about them, really. And I don't know if that was her artistic choice or if that was editors asking her to tone it down. But when she wrote Wait For It, Diana was like 
I am Mexican-American and very unapologetically so. <laughs> um, oh. But it's a slow burn. And I think those books are a good place to start. Nice, nice, nice. And you put me on, sorry, because I'm not familiar. So I'll, I'll definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah, The Wall um, of Winnipeg and Me is like her big kind of breakout book it's so mm -hmm. good it's a fake marriage of convenience with mm -hmm. a professional football player okay, assistant. okay. it's really okay. it's a sports romance it's very 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 good she's a phenomenal but those slow burns are like 800 pages they're like monsters <laughs> oh gosh okay 800 okay i gotta get myself together for 800 pages um <laughs> get the audio yeah. It's on yeah i get the audio okay good audio okay i can do that um, when it's all said and done and, and your career is just all fabulous, um, what do you want readers to say about the books that you wrote? Oh, God. I hate that question. You know, and I've been asked this before. I should have a better answer by now. Um, I, I think I don't really care about, I, I shouldn't say I don't care, but I'm not super worried about how people perceive my work. I, I, I think books are like visual art and music in that it's all in the eye of the beholder and you're going to take away from it what you connect with from your lived experience. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, you can't, you know, dictate what you want readers to take away from your book. Now, having said that, um, mm -hmm. if I get one young, you know, Chicana girl somewhere reading this thinking, wow, there's a bigger world out there than what I can envision like I could actually be a doctor I could actually you know do this or do that like and they connected with her because she reflected what she looks like that would make me very mm -hmm. happy like and if it was just one girl like I don't I don't care if all my readers get that but you mm -hmm. know if, if somebody can see themselves reflected in my work and see it done with compassionately like that would make me mm -hmm. happy awesome Awesome. So um, where can people find you on social media? Where can they get your, purchase your books? And, you know, what's going to be next on, on, on the roster for you? Um, I'm on all my social media platforms as O. Martinez author. My mm -hmm. website is OpheliaMartinez.com. That's Ophelia with an F, not a PH. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all the usual places, Clubhouse. Um, and what's next on the horizon? Oh, um, I do have a newsletter where you can get a free novella uh, when you sign up for my reader club, um, mm -hmm. which is a really fun hate to lovers in the medical series. Um, mm -hmm. What's next on the horizon is book two of the Rockstar Romance. Um, it is going to be out January 11th and it is a fake dating um, really fun kind of cinnamon roll rock star mm. hero in that one so we're parting away from the possessive alpha for this one um, he's okay. a very sweet ooey gooey cinnamon roll um, and it's a, it's a very fun fun read um, and I'm going to be putting out probably in the spring remission um, the translation of my first book in Spanish Okay. Uh, so I'll be posting a lot in Spanish once once that comes up on the heart. And I think that's probably going to be February or March. I don't really know yet. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ophelia. I have enjoyed this conversation. It has been amazing. 
Um, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, and thank you for putting me on some naked pictures of Jaime Camille. <laughs> Tati, can I just say your interviewing skills are so on point. You are oh. so good at this. It's oh, like you're meant so to have cute. a podcast. Uh, this oh. was so fun uh, chatting oh with gosh. you. Thank you so much, Ophelia. Oh, that, 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 that has made my whole week. Thank you so much. Welcome back. I hope you all enjoyed our interview with Ophelia Martinez. You can find her at in all her social media as well as some of her visual art on her website, which is Ophelia, O-F-E-L-I-A, Martinez.com. All right, Yakini. So um, when watching romance, did you watch anything over the over the holiday or over the what, weekend or whatever? Yeah, I did. Now, mind you, I didn't get to watch as many movies as I would have liked. Um, oh, my goodness. There were so, so, so many. So I watched four. I watched Adventures in Christmas. That was with Kim Fields and Adrian Holmes. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Kirk Franklin's A Gospel Christmas. Mm. And I watched a Christmas dance reunion. And then I started to watch our Christmas journey with Holly Robinson Pete, but I didn't get through that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh my goodness. I just before I get into them, did you do you want to talk about them? Or which ones did you watch? So I did only watch like part of the Christmas dance reunion. Okay. That was everything. Oh, <laughs> it my was so goodness, good. That was so good. That was so good. And their chemistry. It was just uh, so wonderful. It was if you were a fan of the high school musicals back in the day yeah. on Disney, this is the reunion you've been waiting for. You know what I mean? So Corbin yeah. Blue and our girl. Uh, what is her name? Is it Melanie? Melanie? I can't think of it. But um, she she was so good. She was she was so, so good. good. And they just were so sweet together. They had amazing chemistry. She was adorable. He was wonderful. I love. I don't know how far you got into it, but um, oh, it's just you know when you're watching a Christmas movie, that in itself is special. The romance, the magic. But when you add mm-hmm. in like the dancing or the singing, and that was what was mm-hmm. special. I think about my Christmas movies this week. I kind of there were a lot that featured like you know Ashanti, and then it was like Maya. I didn't even get to mm-hmm. those, but the dancing and the singing, it just was so special because you're watching like now it's like a Christmas musical. Yes, so, yes, yes. Oh, it was yes. so special. Like I'm someone who loves like Dancing with the Stars and just ballroom dancing in general. Mm-hmm. And I that girl, has, they they both been on Dancing with the Stars actually. So yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes. It just was so sensual. Like, there's just a, a magic and a chemistry when there's dancing, the way they're gazing at each other and holding each other. It's just, it was wonderful. The plot was very special. I just enjoyed it so much. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was really fantastic. It was probably in my top five, possibly. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh. But, wow. one of, but, but also in my top five was um, the Kirk Franklin uh, Gospel, oh, Gospel Christmas. Christmas. Oh, oh that yeah. was good. With now, Demetria I like McKinney. McKinney. Mm. I've always liked her. Mm-hmm. My my first introduction to her was on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And she kind of kept it classy. You know, she was only on there for one season. I think she made the decision that it wasn't the best look for her brand. Because unlike some of the other housewives, she came in with real talent. Like, she, right. some housewives come in and they're successful because they have a really dynamic 
charismatic personality, but they don't really have any other kind of talent going on. So they end up launching mm-hmm. whatever beauty brand, not to diminish that, but you know, <laughs> they, they, they become talented and famous through their exposure on the show, like a Beth right. on her skinny girl brand. Now she's on top of the world with that. But then there's other people who actually like Kim Fields came and only did one season and Demetra McKinney. Those are people who probably have no business being on there, but you know, she is so talented. She sings so well. Did you get to see the, um, the Kirk Franklin gospel? Mm-mm. Girl, it's, oh. I, I am so backed up. With, 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 no, I, girl, I feel you. Me too. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this week because I have so many wonderful ones to watch, but it was so, 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 so good. I mean, mm-hmm. just the plot was fantastic. Obviously, it was based in a black church, so you're getting all of that, the singing, the culture, the personalities, you know, and we know Demetria can sing because she's been she in so many of those Tyler Perry things. Yes, yeah. yes. So she can Her sing. She man was fantastic. He can sing mm-hmm. too. It was just very, very special. She basically had been like the junior pastor, assistant pastor in her mom's church, and she was kind of thrust out of the nest to basically pastor her own church and just kind of the anxieties and kind of, you know, that came with that, the insecurities and just kind of her coming into her own in terms of just her being a pastor and and a singing Mm -hmm. pastor at that. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Very much. I actually wish I hadn't deleted it because it's something I would probably watch again. It's but I'm going to come back on. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll grab it. You know, it. they're going to do a marathon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to come back it. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to catch that one again. Yeah. I did what I did watch this week, week and it had me bawling my eyes out. And it was, it's in my top one for sure, for sure. Okay. It's uh, Single All the Way and it was on Netflix. Okay. Um, It was an LGBT focused. Um, movie it had Kathy mm-hmm. and Jimmy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it had I can't think of his name. I think it's Michael Michael James or something like that. But he used okay. to be on Ugly Betty. Okay. And the black guy, I can't think of what he was on, but he's on something I had seen before. Okay. Uh, but a lot of other like little famous people and stuff in it. But it was about a a guy who's a a, a guy who's gay and he okay. and his roommate who's black. And um, he was trying to convince his black roommate to come home with him and pretend to be his boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But before he, but before he could like get that out, the mom had already set him up on a blind date with somebody. Okay. And so, um, you know, the the guy was the best friend was supportive and everything, but the best friend had been in love, you know, secretly in love with him and everything. Mm-hmm. When I tell you at the end, y'all, I was bawling in my eyes. I was I was crying my eyes out. Like it was so. Good, y'all have to go. Y'all have to watch it for real. For okay, real. please, please watch it. It was so good. Like I, I can't even like put into words how good it was. I, at first, I was a little skeptical. Oh. Like, well, how are they gonna, how are they gonna do this? But right, it, it was, it was tasteful. Nobody was like there was no trauma involved or nothing like That's that. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was just you know, no, nobody was like, oh my god, you're gay. Oh my god, it was just like right. okay, he's gay, whatever. Yeah. We're trying to set him up. And then the best part about it was the nieces. Oh my God, the nieces were so full of mess. They were up there trying to keep up <laughs> so much mess, uh, trying to uh, derail his like date and all kind of stuff. Oh, it was just too funny. But it was so, so cute. Oh, and that was, sounds so cute. It was heartwarming. It was cute. It was so good. So, y'all, please watch Single All the Way. That was, that was really good. I really, okay, really that enjoyed sounds that. Cute. It sounds super Yeah, it was super cute. Yeah, but this week we have a lot, a lot more movies. Oh my god! So we got someday at Christmas. It starts our favorite first lady, Tasha Skanks from uh, Greenleaf. Oh, <laughs> someday at Christmas. Asia, her name is Asia Epperson, actually. Uh, but it's it's um 
It's going to be on TV one. I think it comes on Saturday. Okay. Um, it's about two strangers who meet or whatever. I, I forgot. I don't know the, the whole premise, but she's <laughs> definitely in it. Um, and then Comedy Central, um, Hot Mess Holiday that I was talking about with Cal mm-hmm. Penn. And it's about these uh, Indian American folks mm-hmm. who are trying to like have this crazy Diwali holiday or whatever. Um, and then on BET, we got Christmas Deja Vu with our girl Amber Riley. So okay. it's sort of like a um, sort of like a like a Groundhog Day thing where she keeps waking up and reliving Christmas over and over and over. Again. Yes, okay. Um, I like those type of movies. <laughs> I just watched one with Tegan actually. It was called Christmas Again, and it was on the Disney Channel, and it had uh, Daniel Sunjata in it with his fine self, Jesus. <laughs> um, oh, he's so fine. Um, but he was in it, and uh, it was it was too too funny. Um, and then on CBS actually has a Christmas movie coming on, uh, called A Christmas Proposal with a fine ass, another fine ass dude, Adam Rodriguez. Okay. Um, and it's about a guy. I think he's trying to propose, but all this crazy stuff keeps happening. <laughs> oh so like all kind of hijinks keep happening with his family, his crazy big Latina family. So mm-hmm. all this stuff starts, start, crazy stuff starts happening. And then on own we have our girl uh, with a sisterly Christmas, which I believe is on is on as we record in this podcast. I think it comes on tonight. Um, yep, yep, it does come on tonight. Um, with uh, Deborah Joy Winans and uh, oh, okay, we love her. Yeah, and mm-hmm. some other folks in it. Um, but it's about two sisters who are trying to they're, they're kind of at odds at Christmas or something, trying to make it work, but. Yeah, those are the movies for this week, and everything else is pretty much. I think we're pretty much wrapping it up for the most part. We got a few okay. more Christmas things, um, but I know that, I missed some of those, so I'm definitely gonna have to review your calendar and stuff. Oh my god, I, I, girl, my DVR is so full of stuff. Like yeah. I had to, I had to go. That's and a, good, call, a good problem to have, mm, right? Yeah, I had to call Comcast to get more hours for the DVR. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, Mom, ma'am, you're going over your thing. I said, Yeah, just give me more hours mm-hmm. in my DVR. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely like, you know, binge everything. Cause we definitely didn't even talk about Christmas Thief with Vivica Fox, which came on on the fifth. Oh, so, I missed um that. Okay, yeah. so that's why I said I know I missed some stuff. Yeah, I've got to see my girl. Vivica Vivica. Vivica. I don't think I've gotten yeah. any doses of her yet. So no, nope, this is her first I think this is her first and only movie of the holiday season. Okay. So yeah, so we got yeah, that, and so and there are tons of other movies. Oh, Loretta Devine is also in Christmas Deja Vu with Amber Riley too. So oh, very nice. That's, I think it's gonna be a good one. Um, and then I think there's Mary Switchmas, where people are like switching places. Oh my <laughs> that, that comes on on the ninth, um, mm. on BET Plus. So um, <laughs> yeah, BET Plus has all the movies. So yes, yeah, y'all, y'all go and tune in to them. But I think that's it. That's fine. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds really oh, good. Oh yeah, and a hip hop family Christmas. That came out yesterday. I think um, I, I have that DVR as I have that DVR with, with, with Carrie Hilson, MC Light, mm-hmm. Red Man, Terrence J, Soraya, Neo. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So oh, many people are produced hands. by Jamie Foxx. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's crazy, 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 crazy. So many movies, you guys, so many movies. Mm-hmm. But um, finally, this week um, in listening romance, I want to shout out another podcast. It is the Womance Podcast. It is a podcast dedicated to talking about romance novels from a feminist 
perspective. So they talk about all the great romance novels and current romance novels, past and present, and give them a sort of feminist spin on it. Um, I love the host. Uh, they are hilarious, Morgan and Isa, Isabel. So they are just funny. So I, I absolutely okay. love them. And so, um, yeah, they're a part of the Frolic Podcast Network, um, which is a network of several, several um, romance podcasts, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, you all check them out. They're they're amazing. So check out the Romance Podcast. But that's Sounds it, you great. guys. Yeah. But that's it, you guys, for this week. We will be back next week, which will be our final uh, podcast for twenty. 20- 21 years ago yes yes and we'll probably we'll see you all after the new year but stay tuned for us next week you guys so we'll be back next week all right guys see you next week bye see you bye